Welcome to the Grace-Based Family Podcast. We're We're your hosts, hosts, Karis Murray and Michelle Brook. This is a podcast where we look at the power of grace in the everyday lives of families. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Karis. How are you? I'm doing great. We have a great show planned today. Super excited. And so we're talking to a special guest. Why don't you tell us who we're talking to? So today, I'm so excited. One of my best friends is here. Her name is Megan Hunt. We have known each other since junior high. We ran track together, softball, and um, she'd call me long leg glue, and I'd call her short leg Sue, because I was always <laughs> tall, and she was always like hustling behind me, shorter legs. Um, but we were in each other's weddings. We've walked through a lot of joys and heartaches together over our 25 years. And one day, we hope to retire to a go- golden girl house That's right. situation. But <laughs> Yes. Um, Can I come? Yes. Okay. You'd be I'll great. be the cranky old one. No, <laughs> you'll take care of the animals because we don't really like animals. Okay. <laughs> we'll All right. Cook for cool. You. <laughs> and Megan likes to clean. Um, but Sweet. the reason we have Megan on is she is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to families, kids, parenting. She is a first grade teacher. She lives with her husband, Logan, in Louisiana, and their five children. And she's also trained in TBRI, which is trust based relational intervention. So I always go to Megan for parenting advice because she has many, many years of experience and expertise beyond her years. So welcome, Megan. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. Yes. So Megan and I both grew up here. We all grew up together in yes. Scottsdale. And like I said, um, now she's in Louisiana. But not only do I love Megan's heart and you know her as a friend, but one thing that we have always had in common is um, we both grew up in families where there were family members that struggled with different mental health issues or addictions. Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to kind of support each other in that through the years. So Megan, why don't you briefly kind of just share about your family um, and like your story, where where you went to college, how you are, how you are who you are now. (laughs) Yes. So like Michelle said, we grew up together and continue to be able to visit with each other every day through the power and magic of technology, which is so much fun. Um, I live in Louisiana, but I always, um, I didn't always live there. I got there six years ago. Oh, seven years ago, actually, when I met and married my husband. Before that, I was in Texas. Um, That's where my family is currently and my extended family. I went to college at TCU in Fort Worth and kind of moved around a bunch as a kid. So um, now living in Louisiana is a big shift for me. We moved from the big city in Texas to a little bitty town in northern Louisiana. So it's called Ruston and it is precious and wonderful, but oh so tiny. I was telling Michelle's kids this morning that um, we didn't have a Target and like we just had a Walmart and one grocery store and they cannot get over it. No, they're they're like, yeah. you don't have a last chance. You don't have a van store. Like <laughs> We don't have an it's Apple store. The yeah. whole state, I don't think, has an Apple store. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, like Michelle said, I had five, I have five kids and they range in age from three all the way up to 15. Um, some are biological, some are adopted. And that's, there's a really cool story behind kind of how I arrived there. Um, but yeah. why don't you tell us about that? Like, yeah, I, I mean, what I think is such an interesting part of your story early on is that as a young, I think, 23 year old single mm-hmm. woman, you fostered, you decided to start foster care. And, yeah. and then that led you to having your first son. So tell, right. us, tell us that story, because I think that's very unique. I mean, I think yeah. you're one of maybe only three 
three or four people that I personally know who have adopted as single people. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know that that's a thing. Um, You know, growing up, um, I grew up in church and I volunteered when I was in high school um, at a camp for foster kids called Royal Family Kids Camp. Mm -hmm. And um, I was a young teenager. I wasn't even old enough to be a counselor. So my mom had to come with me and volunteer too. And after that summer, it was just one week, but that one week completely changed my life. Um, Mm -hmm. I I didn't grow up exposed, really exposed to foster care at all. Um, And it just blew my mind that there were children that had just a need for nurturing and for standing in the gap during a really hard time in their lives when they weren't able to be with their families. Um, And so I came home and I wrote on uh, a post-it note and stuck it in the front of my old high school Bible. And it says, Lord, please make me a foster parent someday. Mm -hmm. And it just lived there for a long time. It's a little green post-it. And um, I grew up, went to college. I became a teacher. And um, I was in my first year of teaching. And I really just felt like, okay, everyone around me is getting married. I kind of thought that was going to be the plan for my life, but that's not really the way that it's going. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just started just praying and evaluating, God, what do you have for me? I could do anything. I'm single. I'm, I'm done with school. I have no obligations. There's so much more of me that you can use. Like, you do it. And I just started mm-hmm. praying. And like he always does, God answers the prayer, use me in a really powerful way. And so he just kept reminding me of that green post-it in the front of mm-hmm. my Bible. Um, it would like magically switch, flip to that page uh, often as I was pr- in that season of praying. And so, you know, of course, that's a crazy idea. I was 23. That mm-hmm. Who does that? That And I told my parents and they were like, I don't know. This yeah. does not seem, why don't you just be a big brother, big sisters volunteer? <laughs> right. Um, Um, But I just continued to pray, and the Lord just flung open the doors in amazing ways um, and provided for me. Um, So I had a two-bedroom apartment that uh, I was going to live in with a roommate, and then she backed out, and the apartment complex didn't have a smaller one. So they said, you can have this for the cheaper price, the Mm two-bedroom. And um, the Lord just opened that that door. So I I did become a foster parent um, when I was was a teacher. I was single, and I had lots of different kids, different ages I had. Um, preschoolers. I even had a teenager for a little while. Um, And then um, I eventually got Cooper. He was seven months old um, and he was an abandoned baby left in the middle of the night in in the road. And uh, when I when I got him, there was no magic sparks or anything like that. It was just a baby. I didn't know his name. Nobody knew his name at that point. And um, but as I loved him, God really changed my heart. Um, And over time, somewhere, I I started to just love him and see him as a part of my life. Um, And so when the opportunity came up to adopt him, that was another road that I I had never planned on adopting. Mm -hmm. And really, it was I was afraid I didn't want to. I thought, honestly, who is going to marry me? Like if I yeah. if I have a kid, that's really going to be hard. I thought I might be 30 and single. Oh, my gosh, that's the worst. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the ending. I was 30 and single. <laughs> so that Fast actually, forward. Fast forward. To 30 and spoiler single. alert. Yeah. Um, but so I ended up um, adopting him and uh, when he was two and a half. And it was just me and him for a really long time. Um, and it it was very challenging in ways that I didn't expect and, and a blessing. Um, being a mom to a, sing, a, a child who's experienced trauma like he had um, really changed me as a person in ways I didn't expect. And Cooper has some special needs that I didn't know about in the beginning that have really come to light as he's gotten older. So he has autism. He has an intellectual disability. 
and he has a genetic condition called Soto syndrome that causes some physical problems for for him. Um, and so all of those things really, I think, have changed me as a mom as I'm trying to navigate those. Um, and so I met my husband when Cooper was seven. We met on a blind date and we have a really funny, funny little story, but we were a quick match and marry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, and we had three biological children after um, after Cooper and they're now um, in early elementary school and preschool. And then just last year, we adopted our son, Ethan, from China when he was 14. So that's another really kind of cool story. But I think the thing that links them together is God really, um, as a young mom, taught me to trust him with my motherhood and with just who I am and what he has for my life. And when you open yourself up and you have willingness to just follow what God has for you, your story does look a little different than everyone else's, but it's really been exciting. So it's just so neat to see, because I know this probably is not what you set out and pictured for your life. Like I know we were all in high school, like we're going to be engaged at 21, married at 22, 2.5 kids. And it's like, God just totally had a different plan and it's beautiful and it's sometimes hard, but it's, it's so much better than what we could have even prayed for. We just continue to hold our hands open. That's what Mm -hmm. um, we always, that's what I, I strive for in my life to be open-handed with what God has given me. And it is beautiful. It's not easy, but it is really beautiful. So I now have you know, a, a fifth, I'm young to have a 15 year old um, who just came from China last year, who's still learning English and learning what it looks like to be in a family. He's never had a family before. Yeah. Um, and I have a 14 year old Cooper who's now 14, who has a lot of special needs and a mm-hmm. lot of challenges. And then I have three little biological kids that keep us very busy that are all very back to back. And so you're it's right, it's not what I would have expected, but it's certainly neat to know that this wasn't my plan, this was God's. Yeah. And I can. I can walk in that and know that he's going to provide for me. Yeah. That's wonderful. Hey, Megan, this morning you mentioned you kind of crossed paths with um, the grace-based message early on. Yes. Um, when you first got Cooper. Can you tell us how that grace-based message kind of helped shape how you parent? Yes. Grace-based families is one of my very favorite ministries because it was so influential for me so early on in motherhood. I went to Pine Cove as a Pine Cove Christian Camps in Texas. Um, When I was in college, I worked there. And so it was a great ministry that I wanted to plug into Mm -hmm. um, when I had my own family. So I'm like, looked at Cooper. I'm like, well, we're a family. It's just the Mm -hmm. two of us, but we're going to go. So we went to family camp and um, Tim and Darcy Kimmel were the speakers that week. Mm -hmm. And it was just providential. The Lord Mm -hmm. knew that as a young mom, I needed that grace-based message. And I will never forget, honestly, how it impacted me because I was still asking myself the questions of how do I be a good mom? How do I be a godly mom? What does that look like? Um, And Tim and Darcy were able to give the grace-based message that we parent our kids the way God parents us. And that just is so beautiful for me as an overarching message. Um, and I think raising a child that is is different, the freedom to be different, I had never heard that before. I had never heard um, some of the ways, practical ways we can give our children grace Um And that just is life-changing. And I know that Cooper would say the same thing, that he would say, my mom loves me and allows me to be who God created me to be because she understands the grace-based message. So this ministry has a really special place in my heart. That's awesome. Wow. Thanks for that. (laughs) 
It's, it's like true. you were coached, but we really did not <laughs> no, coach you to say anything, <laughs> any of that. But thank you so much for for those words of encouragement. And um, you know, we're we're heading into a part of the year, <laughs> the yeah. holidays. Yes. That you know, when you do have people in your family who are different, and especially if they're different in ways related to maybe trauma they've experienced, perhaps some mental health challenges mm-hmm. that they have that they live with, even things like addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a time of year that can be very triggering um, for those people. I yeah. mean, I, th- I think it's hard even when you feel like you're kind of doing well with all of those yeah. things. If yeah. you're somebody who doesn't struggle with those things, it can be a challenging time of the year. Right. Um, especially when it relates to um, to events where you're getting together with extended family, people you don't see mm-hmm. a lot maybe, but, you know, traditions and, and, and the expectations, mm-hmm. especially yes. that go a- along with the holidays. Um, so we want to switch gears a little bit. And, and, you know, now that you've sort of shared your story and some of the uniqueness about your family, we would love to learn from you as to how to navigate some of these difficulties that can arise during times like the holidays. And obviously, they can arise at any time. Yeah. But I think especially um, in this this time that we're going into, and obviously, this this is the weirdest year. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? right. It's the weirdest year. I think that the holidays are going to be different and challenging in so many ways. Um, there may be some silver linings in that we may have quieter less busy holidays this sure. year and that might be helpful yeah <laughs> um but we would love for you to talk about um you know why is it that you know an event or a big transition or change or something like the holidays can can trigger maybe bad behavior or anxiety or um you know all these sort of things that you can often see in especially kids but also adults who either struggle with addiction mental health challenges or just differences. Absolutely. Well, you know, you don't think about the holidays as being um, stressful. And for a lot of people, it's exciting. But mm-hmm. for people who um, have challenges or are working um, at looking at the world in a different way, it can be really triggering. So these are the things that I have to remind myself and remind my husband <laughs> is that, you know, the holidays is there's a couple of different things that make the holidays different. There's a lot of sensory overload when it comes to holidays. Michelle and I were talking about this this morning. You don't think about it, but um, everything has music and then there's lights and then are flashing and blinking and there's lots of pumpkin smell. spice candles that That's yeah. right. won't drive anybody to when the When Cooper was a baby, we would go into Target <laughs> mm. and he would just scream, no, 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 no. And he would point at all the things dangling from the ceiling. You know, they have all those big oh. signs and displays. And you don't think about that. But a lot of times Mm -hmm. that can be overwhelming for someone that already feels like the world is a little bit chaotic. Mm -hmm. Um, And we change our routines all the time during the holidays. Things that are not normal, we do. Oh, we don't normally, you know, have gingerbread houses at 10 a.m., but here we are. (laughs) Yeah, lick the frosting, eat this, you know, eat the candy, whatever you want. And that can be really challenging for people that really love predictability and order and structure. It can feel panicking. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a party at school today, and and we don't ever have a party at school today. There's going to be half days or all all the things. We have different people in our lives. We have Mm -hmm. relatives coming in who don't understand the flow of things. Um, uh, there's a lot of 
of change that happens. Um, mm-hmm. The holidays can also just trigger memories that that we don't know about, um, yeah. especially if we have guests that are visiting. Um, there's people that have some hard hard memories of holidays. Um, my oldest son from China, we still don't under, even understand all the ways that holidays are hard because we weren't with him for all of his holidays. And his holidays were obviously different um, mm-hmm. in China. But um, there's just a lot of new and unfamiliar experiences that to some people can be exciting, but to other people can be really scary. Yeah. And so um, it's so those are a lot of the reasons why I think holidays are are difficult for, um, especially for people that come from hard places that have yeah. had hard experiences. Mm-hmm. So, how has your experience with you know growing up in your family, um, as well as you and Logan now with your kids, changed how you approach holidays? Now that you have this different understanding mm-hmm. um, with Cooper and you know um, even Ethan coming from China and having a different. Um, experience than what you had growing up. How do you do things differently? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing I do is I just try to be understanding and have Mm -hmm. empathy. And we all should do that. But it is it has been forced upon me (laughs) as I have people that um, really, really struggle. I have to understand that they're doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And I think I tell myself that a lot, remind myself that they are they want to have a happy holiday too and that they're doing the very best that they can and so we not only have empathy for them we also um educate all of our family and the people around us that about what's going on with our um with our family members so with several of my children they get overwhelmed quickly mm-hmm. and so we just kind of have to say hey guys if if it gets really loud, we're going to take a break. We often plan for breaks. And mm-hmm. so if we're in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner and I can see that a certain someone is starting to pace around or starting to kind of melt down, I, I just magically need to go get something from the car. Hey, would you come outside with me and help me get this from the car? Mm-hmm. Um, we were at a pumpkin patch one time and I could see it going south in a hurry. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I think I, I need some water. I'm so thirsty. Let's go to the car and get some water. And mm-hmm. at just from stepping back for a minute, we had a few minutes and we could even talk about it mm-hmm. and kind of say, okay, that was a lot. That was a lot of people. Yeah, okay. And then when we're ready to go back in, we can. Yeah. Um, so Logan and I also, as we look at the holidays, we know that we're probably not going to be able to do all the things in our mind that we want to do. And mm-hmm. that has been a process of us just accepting that our family looks a little different because we have people in it that are not all the same. Mm-hmm. And so um, we choose every holiday we sit down and say, OK, what is the one thing that is really, really important to us this holiday? And let's prioritize that thing. Um, and let's be able to let go of some of the other things if we realize that we need to, um, mm. because we want to prioritize the relationship with the person over any activity or any expectation that we have. So we want to make sure that we are loving that our holiday is about being able to worship God and give you know grace and <laughs> and love to the people that are around us. Mm-hmm. And so if I am like hard and fast, we are going to go ride the well the the train. The, what's it? The Polar Express train. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have wanted to ride that so bad. And we've never done it. But it's, it's far down on our list that we prioritize the one thing and then say, okay, the other things are okay if we don't get to get those. We also kind of do some divide and conquering sometimes. We say, like, does that sound fun to you? And if we have people that say, like, no, no, that yeah. sounds stressful. <laughs> 
then we say, okay, well, maybe mom and the girls will do this thing and dad and the boys will stay home. Or maybe we have, that's a special thing you get to do with grandparents. So we allow some flexibility and we give grace to ourselves that our family doesn't have to be perfect, Mm -hmm. that it's okay. Yes, I want my whole family to be able to go on the Polar Express train, but it's not going to happen. It's just (laughs) not not worth it, right? (laughs) It's taken me however many years of parenting to realize it's not working for us. (laughs) And so I have to give myself grace and say, I I know that this other family that I admire is getting to do all these fun things and I want to do that. But that is not the best way to love my family and to love all the people in my family. Um, and my biggest priority is that we would just have happy memories together. And so if that means we have one happy memory, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Because right. um, it was for many years that Christmas was my the worst day of the whole year. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I, I remember just being in tears, taking down the Christmas tree before 8 a.m. on Christmas morning because I was so done. It was so frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. Um because Cooper had such a hard time with it. Um, I was telling Michelle this morning, he still does not like me to change the pillows on the the couch, the throw pillows on the couch for holidays. Because he said, it's too much. I don't Mm -hmm. like it. But he loves, um, so my compromise, because I love to change the throw pillows. I just, (laughs) we have gotten to a little bit of a stalemate here. Okay, buddy, I want the pillows to be plaid at Christmas, and he wants them to be gray like normal. So I've come up with a compromise that there's one room that doesn't ever change. That's our Mm -hmm. sunroom. It's like our playroom. It never changes. And I promise I will never decorate in that room. Mm -hmm. And so he promises if he's feeling overwhelmed, he can go in that room and it feels the same. Hmm. And so that's a good way to kind of, I would love to deck out my whole house for Christmas. Yeah. But I know that it's not um, It's not worth um, the cost that it would, the toll it would take on my relationship with hmm. my son. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that is a lot of the things we do. It changes what what we do. But some of the things, too, we can do to help the the children or other people in our life is to prepare them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be some times that, that we are going to ask people to do things that make them feel uncomfortable, um, like candlelight Christmas Eve service. We do it every year, even though it's never as successful as I want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so we pre-teach ahead of time and we give set up the expectations about this is what's going to happen. This is how long it's going to take. This is what we're going to do. And we see what we can do to accommodate um, mm-hmm. within that. So we sit far away from the speakers. We sit in the back, plan an exit strategy. <laughs> right, right. That's always um, a good idea. Bring a fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So anytime there's going to be a change in the environment or the expectations, you know, it it's hard that normally at church, it's the lights are on and there's no fire. And then all of a sudden you get to church and everyone has fire. It's, yeah, it's a little bit stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so we just pre-teach some of those expectations um, and, awesome. and just kind of try to scaffold that for our for our kids and people that, that might struggle. And to be honest with you, the kids in our family aren't the only ones that struggle. I have um, extended family members that are close to me that we spend holidays with that struggle with some of the same things, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I've learned from my kids how to um, be grace-filled with in my relationships yeah. with other people. Um, and it really comes to prioritizing those other people over yourself, which is really hard. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's well, the hardest. And, and the gospel that... Jesus gives us when he comes, you know, to live among us is that the way that you worship me and my father Mm -hmm. is first obey me Mm -hmm. and then 
love people. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right? right. That's right. And so it's easy to get caught up in this idea that like, well, we're going to go to church and worship God for <laughs> get in the car, yeah, you know, and it's like, but really, we worship God by loving, especially the people that he has put in our close proximity. Yeah. Um, the way that he loves us. And and that can be hard. And, and I want to point out maybe for some listeners who either you know, maybe have some people on the periphery of their life, maybe their grandparents to kids like this or mm-hmm. aunt and uncles to aunts and uncles to kids like this or friends that, you know, this might seem obvious to parents of kids like this, but maybe not to others that that when we talk about triggering and when we talk about the kind of behaviors you might see, what it often looks like is rage, yeah. anger, disobedience. Yeah defiance rudeness yeah rudeness um totally checking out melting down yeah um not so much maybe crying or sadness sure but it comes out in yeah. very unloving ways yeah. often and even, as, even self-sabotage you know mm-hmm. you see a lot of sabotaging things in advance yes because you know that person knows they're coming it's going to be hard. And they're already anticipating the difficulty. And just that anticipation is making them so uncomfortable that yes. they often will sabotage big days, big events in advance. Yes. Well, and I have a couple of tips for family members um, that, that I that I've come to find really successful. Um, you know, I talked earlier about just educating family members. Uh, again, my mm-hmm. brother and sister-in-law that that live far from me, um, extended relatives on my husband's side that don't see um, Cooper and Ethan and the rest of our kids every day. So I always teach them that they need to ask before they touch our kids. I, that mm-hmm. seems like a really simple one to me. Um, but if you want to give a hug or a kiss to ask if that's okay yeah. and before because that is the first thing that can really make someone uncomfortable if somebody touches you that you're not expecting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and warmly welcome them and then accept their differences and understand just be understanding about those struggles mm-hmm. and then the most important one I think is to support the family and the caregiver by trying to notice where that mom or that dad that's caregiving might could use you to to help whether Mm -hmm. that is you know what let me tie the shoes for everybody and you can do this and understand um without judgment that that family might be struggling and doesn't it isn't like you said necessarily a reflection on their parenting Mm -hmm. but perhaps it's a reflection on those parents and their willingness to give grace to their Mm -hmm. children and um so you might not see me disciplining um during the holidays during the same way i might or in the same way that I would in um, my real life because I'm understanding like this is a really difficult season. We might need to just give a little bit of grace and approach Mm -hmm. this a differently, a different way. Um, And so even just having that conversation with family members ahead of time. um, And if you are someone that is in a relationship with a family or, you know, like you're thinking right now of a, of a family in your mind, Mm -hmm. um, just be starting to roll around in your mind that some ways that you can, uh, serve their family, ask questions about how you can help during the mm-hmm. holidays. Um, yeah. And that will be a huge blessing to yeah. the yeah. parents. Awesome. Well, and, and in my kind of research and work to um, to write my book on discipline, you know, it is it is very widely understood by, you know, child specialists and psychologists that strategies that work for 
neurotypical kids in terms of discipline and parenting, sometimes those things translate yeah, to a kids lot of times with dif- they don't. differences, but a lot of the time they don't work the same way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it is easy, I think, if you have parented kids who are more neurotypical to think like, What's going on here? What is going on? Just (laughs) like he's being disobedient, he's being defiant, give him a consequence, you know, give some discipline. And it can be easy to to judge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it's important if you're a, a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a friend to support the parent by not undermining them. Yeah especially not in front of the, the, the child, mm-hmm. um, by not second guessing them. And it, then if they ask you to d- do something or not to do something yeah. as it relates to their kid, even if you don't maybe understand it or even if you disagree, to please, please, yeah, you know, honor that request. Because unfortunately, I see it so very often, and I'm going to pick on grandparents a little bit, <laughs> We love you, grandparents. But sometimes, you know, you're remembering with rose-colored glasses the way that you raise your own kids. Yeah. And first of all, it's a different world now than it was then. And these are different kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's really, really important to to honor the um, the parenting decisions of the parents who yeah. are who, anyway, no matter what. But yeah. especially if they have some kids with some challenges. Um, yeah. You know, I had I have three brothers, but one of my brothers um, early on when Cooper was little, before my brother was a parent himself, he watched an an experience like that. I gave Cooper fruit snacks, uh, and it had to be seven thirty in the morning, and he obviously was like. Okay. And Cooper was asking my brother, can I have those fruit snacks? And he was like, uh, ask your mom. And I said, yes. Again, I don't remember why I gave him the fruit snacks so early, but it was a calculated decision yeah. uh, to right. do it. Mm-hmm. And my brother did something I thought was really smart. He obeyed. He gave the fruit snacks to Cooper. And then later he came and asked me, he said, can I ask you about that? That seemed kind of weird to me. Why'd you do that? Mm. And I was able to describe discuss it with him. And really, we had a great conversation mm-hmm. about some of the ways I'm doing things differently to help Cooper. And that really blessed me because it felt so honoring yeah. that I am going to honor you. But I do want to understand because it didn't make sense to me. And it opens a dialogue that we could yeah. have together. And it still remains that way today with my family, that there's a lot of things they might say, I don't understand that. Right. I don't understand why we do the things that we do. But we know that I can always approach Megan and ask her, um, why do we do that? Why, mm-hmm. why yeah. are you parenting that way? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really helpful. So if you have a question, you can feel free to ask, why are we doing it this way? Right. Right. And and it's okay, you know, parent, if your answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Because <laughs> I did. Yeah. 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 That's right. There are days just, where you're like, I don't know. I just I, did it. I, yeah, I, I just did it. I didn't have an overarching strategy in that right. moment. Sometimes we all just eat brownies for dinner. That's yeah. Right. Or eat fruit <laughs> snacks like, Why for did I do that? Yeah. I don't know. Because I just, because I'm surviving today. Right. And that's yeah. okay. And that's an okay answer. Right. <laughs> it is. It so, is an okay Megan, answer. Megan, I'm curious. So I grew up in a family where... Um, we a little bit walked on eggshells with my brother around the holidays and it could because we just wanted to keep shalom in the home yeah. we didn't want a big explosion we were you know we did yeah. the best we can and it, it it turned out as you know good as it could um i know my parents struggled with how do we 
create or maintain enjoyment around the holidays for the rest of the family. Yeah, I think when that's really important. Some, when somebody's struggling. So how do you do that, especially with your little kids or extended family that are over during the holidays? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we have to view our family not just in terms of my experience or my children with special needs experience, but we also have to view it through the lens of the other children in the family mm-hmm. and my husband who – you know, that we want them to have a happy holiday too. And that's, I think, right. what you're saying. I mean, I had a little bit of that growing up too. I had family members close to me that struggled. And so I remember feeling uh, a lot of times like I just wanted to like blend in and not mm-hmm. make any, right. not make any waves. Um, and so, like I mentioned earlier, divide and conquer is a big strategy that we use. A lot of times we'll have a conversation, especially with our daughters. They're in first grade and kindergarten. And we'll say, what is the one thing you really, is really important to you? to do um, at Halloween or at whatever. Halloween's just the one I picked because we just had this conversation the other day. And um, Elizabeth said, it is very important to me that our pumpkins have fire, like <laughs> real candles. She didn't want okay. the little flicker, you know, right. little the little pretend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Battery and operated. I said, okay. And so I think to myself, okay, and I'm going to make sure no matter what happens, we're going to do that one thing for Elizabeth because it's really important to her. And some of the things that I like, Cooper does not like fire. It makes him panicky. So she and I will choose to do that. I'll schedule a time to do it with who else wants to do that, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So not everybody has to do everything. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes as parents, we feel like, gosh, this feels, it feels bad to just leave one person out or for mm-hmm. us to have this experience with just one person. But we're trying to prioritize um, the enjoyment of everybody and yeah. make sure that everybody gets to have something that they want to do. And also, you know, there's a lot of times that we just, we don't try to do something that we can anticipate isn't going to be isn't right. going to be successful. Um, we do kind of make sure that we are not putting ourselves uh, in a position of too much pressure. So I'm a natural host. I love to have people over. I love to cook. It's my favorite thing. But um, if I am in a position that I have a lot of things on my to-do list and I need the house to be clean and I need this meal to be just right, then I'm going to have less um, availability to really flex and help. So I kind of try to manage my own expectations of what I can do mm-hmm. as a mom, um, which is hard for me because that is I'm having to sacrifice something I love to do. If yeah. someone were to say, what do you want to do? I'd say, I want everyone to come over and I want to cook a big meal. Yeah. So a lot of times that means that I have to kind of change my plans right. too. Well, and you are a high capacity person naturally. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I know that of you. And and so I think when, when that's your reality, you're a high functioning, yes. high capacity person personally, you have expectations of what you can do, what you want to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think especially when at your core, you are somebody who's hospitable and entertainer, it mm-hmm. becomes part of our identity because I'm yes. like that too. Yep. And, you know, I take a lot of pride in that part of life, yes. right? Um, and so it is, it, you are sacrificing a bit. Yeah. Of of those expectations for yourself, the things that you want to do, yeah, um, because you know that it it kind of sets everyone up to fail. That's right uh, around your home. That's right, and um, I want I know that for me, the best thing I can be is available for my people that struggle. Um, and I wanted to mention too, we always have an exit strategy whenever we go anywhere, mm-hmm. or whenever people are coming over. We always think, okay, what is going to happen if this ship sinks fast? <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> right. And let me tell you, it can sink sometimes. Yeah. I 
it it can go south in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And so we always have a plan for um, sometimes for us, it means driving two cars some mm-hmm. places. Yeah. And that is an right. odd strategy. It's not our favorite. My husband and I want to drive together, you know, to right. family dinner at my mother-in-law's house. But sometimes we know some people might be uncomfortable and we need to be able to take those people home. Mm-hmm. Um, or if people are coming over to our house, what do we do if there is a, a meltdown or a possible meltdown? What can be my plan B? So a lot of times that might be, um, you know, okay, this side of the house is kind of off limits to guests, so it can be quiet. We're going to kind of keep everyone here. Mm-hmm. Or um, we might have something special. Like for us, it's we always have like a special Gatorade. Like we got a Gatorade mm-hmm. because we know that Cooper would love, that is a great thing. Like, hey, let's just take a break. Let's go get a Gatorade out of the outside fridge <laughs> and just take mm-hmm. a moment. So I think having a strategy that you can employ if yeah. things don't go according to plan, that way you're not panicky. You're not really mad at that child because you expected that something might be hard. Mm-hmm. And then it, it takes away that piece of frustration. I still am a little bit frustrated, but I'm not so mad. Like yeah. you ruined everything and mm-hmm. I had nothing ready. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of anticipating things could be hard. This could be tricky. And yeah. it makes it a lot easier for me as a mom to um, to navigate if I have a, a plan B going. Right. It can be so hard to avoid uh, there you know, the the temptation to be resentful yes. of of that, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, I think that resentment sneaks up on you if you aren't um, really honest with yourself. And I was telling Michelle earlier, a lot of times um, I do have resentment until I really grieve that law. I allow myself to grieve the loss of what I really wanted and to mm. say, I really, really wanted that. I wanted us to have really beautiful family pictures this year and we couldn't because so-and-so absolutely was on the floor in a heap. And so if I don't take a moment and and feel that hurt, that like that, that is sad. I wanted mm-hmm. to send a Christmas card with all of us in it and I didn't get to do that this year. It It helps me to grieve it and then to accept what I have. And I always just say, thank you, Lord, for what I have. I don't know why I'm thanking you, but I'm thanking you because you're good. Mm -hmm. And I can Mm -hmm. accept that you've given me this out of your goodness. And it doesn't look like everyone else's. And I bless him for that. Mm -hmm. Like someone told me early on in my life, I was very discouraged because like I shared, I didn't get married until I was 31. And I I anticipated getting married a decade sooner than that. Mm -hmm. And I said, someone said to me, you know, it's really cool if you look at the opposite way that God's doing something in your life that he's not doing in anyone else's life. Mm -hmm. And that has to feel really cool that God would think you are so special. And I never Mm -hmm. forgot that. And I think of that even now in the holidays when um, I really want, um, especially sometimes my teenagers to be helpful or doing things that other people's teenagers are doing. It's easy for me to compare my family to other people's Mm -hmm. families. But I always go back to that. You know, God is doing something in, in my life in all of our lives that's unique. And so especially if we have a difficult person that we're working with, we have the opportunity to bless God and to um, just see that as an opportunity to give him glory and to really love that person in a special way. So mm-hmm. it is not always easy. It is not easy. It's not ever easy. I'm not yeah. going to lie. But it is, I think, a habit that's cultivated over time um, that's rooted in just our knowledge and love for God that, mm-hmm. like you said, Karis, flows over into our love for people and it's it's a sacrificial love that is hard especially Mm -hmm. the holidays they should be so fun Mm -hmm. and they it is fun um especially when we look back and we can say i did everything i could to treat the people in my life that are struggling struggling with dignity and respect and caring and Mm -hmm. and then that makes us feel 
good because we honored God in, yeah. in the way that we treated those people. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really encouraging because I think mental illness, I mean, when you th- talk about anxiety or addiction, everything is magnified during the holidays. Yeah. And it's so easy to point your finger or to cast judgment on others. And that just is such a great reminder of what you said earlier with parenting, like treating others the way God treats me. And Mm -hmm. so whether it's your own child or someone else's child or a crazy uncle, which usually (laughs) shows up at our Thanksgiving table, like I want to love him the way God loves me because I'm a mess up and I struggle and I throw fits to God all the time. I act like a a spoiled brat to him and I can be rude and disrespectful Mm -hmm. and not obedient. And yet he lavishes his love and his grace and his forgiveness on me. So how much should we try to emulate that in our families? Well, and it is I I have to mention that we are modeling for the other people that are watching us Mm -hmm. how um, how someone who loves God treats people that are sometimes unlovable, unlovely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I always think, gosh. My, my little ones are looking at me. I hope that they would treat someone um, with dignity and mm-hmm. respect because they're watching me do it. And there are m- a lot of times my family who <laughs> is listening is probably going, okay, tell them about the times that you have to ask for forgiveness for <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry, you know, Cooper, I, I made you do this, go to this event and I remember a track meet. Cooper will never let me forget the track meet that I made him go to. And I was like, we are going to this track meet. You're going to go. And I knew it was going to be bad. And I had to, I mean, it ended with him crying and me asking for forgiveness because I knew that I needed, um, I didn't, I didn't treat him well, but Mm -hmm. other people are watching how we, um, how we treat people. And it does speak to the God that we serve. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is just, um, it's really amazing that um, God would choose to show himself through yeah. these little tiny moments. And it is right. so encouraging to um, that that God continues to love us, even though mm-hmm. we, we sometimes can struggle just along with right. everybody. Exactly. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, it's just been such a... a I think life-giving conversation and and um, and really... I think reveals your heart for your kids and your heart for God. And so um, we 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 want to have you back because I feel like there's so much more we can talk about um, and unpack here. Uh, I feel like we just scratched the surface, but you gave a lot of great tips mm-hmm. for um, for parents of all types of kids, but especially kids who can struggle and, and be triggered by times like the holidays. So we thank you for coming and thank you listeners. And we just love you. We want to talk about the kind of things that you want to hear about. So reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you. We would love to help answer some questions. We'd love to hear from you about topics you're interested in. You can reach us at family at gracebasedfamilies.com. That's our email address. Um, You know, if we ticked you off with anything we said, you can address (laughs) that to Trevor. (laughs) If you have compliments and praise, you can address that to Karis or Michelle. (laughs) But um, we just love you so much. And and, um, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it every time <laughs> because I'm told that I should, but it helps tell the internet, helps tell the algorithms that you like shows like ours. It helps other people find our show. And so if you're helped by this, other people could be too. And so we ask if you'd subscribe, if you'd leave us um, a, a review or a comment, um, it, it, we really appreciate it. And share this with with others that you think it could help. Um, and you can find out more about Grace-Based Families, our ministry at gracebasefamilies.com. Awesome. So Happy thanks, holidays. ladies. Thanks, Happy Megan. Yes, thanks for having me. Happy holidays to everyone. <laughs> Make it a great end of a difficult year. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Grace Based Families podcast. This is part of Grace Based Families Ministry. For more resources, check us out on gracefacefamilies.com slash podcast or stream us on all major podcasting platforms. Once again, this is Karis and Michelle. Until next time.